Remember when, at the beginning of the pandemic, President Donald Trump suggested disinfectant might cure COVID? It just seemed nuts. Like, no one would do that, right? Turns out, in the dark corners of the internet, a radical group made a fortune doing just that. They called it Miracle Mineral Solution. Join me for Smokescreen Deadly Cure. I'm Kristen V. Brown, your host and a reporter for Bloomberg. From Neon Hum, Sony Music Entertainment, and Bloomberg, Smokescreen Deadly Cure is available now. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts to binge all episodes now or listen weekly wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Deadly Dose, hosted by Harini Bott and Megan Gesner. Hello and welcome back, Poison Pals. Today, Harini is going to blow us away with a story. Mm-hmm. I, of course, have no idea what it's about. Dude. So I am waiting with bated breath. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I need water. Well, I love that so episode good. of SpongeBob. So love it. I reference it way too much as an adult. <laughs> Um, but anyways, I was going to say, before we jump to the story, <clears throat> I shouldn't have done that. My throat is like, oh, you do need water now. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, yeah, now I do need water there. I was listening to another podcast that was just a hooting and, and hollering about this new movie called Megan, oh, yeah. which they actually pronounced uh, Megan. Yeah. Megan. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. Megan. But then I heard it's like a horror yeah. story, but I was like, Megan does like horror. I don't like. So have you watched it? I am fully aware of Megan with an E as a three. I know it all. <laughs> I have no intention to watch it because I have seen what people say, seen the reviews. I hear it is full camp though. So like if someone if yes. someone would c- could convince me to watch it out of theaters once it's like streaming, I'll watch it just for the shits and giggles. But um, sure. I've never been a fan of that type of horror maybe it has to do with my childhood fears of chucky this has nothing to do i literally brought it up because it's your name (laughs) yes (laughs) megan that's all that's all it is i'll watch it for my name okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah watch it because i can't watch horror and then you can tell me i'll I'll give you a scale of how scary it is because if i feel like there's more laughs than thrills then you should watch it yeah okay Okay, like if otherwise, I'll just absorb it through osmosis okay. from you. <laughs> All right, well, we'll follow up on that in another episode. <laughs> to be to con- yes. to be continued. But now on to some real scary oh, no. shit. All right. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! It's right. Uh, first, I want to shout out. This was someone who follows the the podcast as well as Child mm-hmm. Science, and she's the one that suggested the story to me. The person who sent me the story is Oxytocin Pills on Instagram. So thank you, Oxytocin Pills, for listening to the podcast and supporting TL Science. All right. And the story is very, very good. So thank you for the recommendation. Okay. Megan, are you so ready? ready. And Poison Palace, are you ready? Yes, we're ready. So (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like the gingerbread man from Shrek. 
on February 19th, 1994 in Riverside, California. So, so close, close to, to home. home. This is a hometown. Gloria Ramirez was rushed to the hospital. Just 45 minutes later, she was pronounced oh, dead. No. After her death, yet even after her death, her body was emitting some mysterious fumes that made her doctors fall Ooh. ill. This is the unsolved mystery of Gloria Ramirez, also known as the toxic lady. <gasps> Gloria. That's what I think of. Gloria. <laughs> okay, toxic lady. <laughs> I don't know if I should be smiling. Yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> unfortunate name, unfortunate name, but, you know, headlines. <laughs> Gloria Ramirez lived in Riverside, California with her two children and husband. Her local reverend, Brian Taylor, said Gloria was a friend to everyone. She was funny, made everyone laugh around her. Just, you know, a warm person. The night she died, Gloria was experiencing an elevated heart rate and a low blood pressure. Her blood pressure just plummeted. She was also having trouble breathing and was answering questions incoherently. These symptoms can be associated with heart failure, which is what the doctors initially thought as well and was essentially how they treated it. But Gloria was only 31 mm. years old. Very young. Very, very young. However, she did have late-stage cervical mm. cancer, so potentially her symptoms might be attributed to her overall declining health. As soon as Gloria was admitted to the hospital, the doctors jumped into action and per guidelines did everything they could to try to save her with techniques and medications, but nothing worked. Eventually, it gets to a point where they needed to use the defibrillator, so the nurses removed Gloria's shirt to apply the defibrillator when they noticed her body looked like it was almost like it was oiled up. There was like this oily sheen to her body. There was also a fruity, garlicky odor coming from her mouth. For me, when I hear fruity medically, I think of diabetic ketoacidosis, mm. which she possibly could have. I, I wish I could see like her, her labs. Maybe it is published mm -hmm. at this point. But the garlic is throwing me off. Unless, unless she, she had ate garlic. A garlic <laughs> literally had a garlicky dinner. Yeah. It could be just yeah. as simple as that. But I also know there are some toxins that can smell like garlic. A nurse, Susan Kane took a blood sample from her, and as the blood filled the syringe, Nurse Kane got a strong whiff of her blood, which is not mm. normal. Uh, she, it, the point was like it smelled yeah. like something, and it oddly smelled like ammonia. Mm. And then they noticed manila-colored particles floating in her blood. And uh -huh. I thought like that's a very odd choice of word, and I looked at several other sources, and they all describe it the same way, manila-colored particles floating in her blood. So weird. So weird. At this point, the head doctor agreed that something was not right at all, and it wasn't just heart mm. failure. As he's saying this, Nurse Kane started to sway. Someone yells, catch her. Mm. The head doctor lunged for Nurse Kane, caught her, and gently laid her on the floor. Her face was burning, so they put her on a gurney and they take her to trauma. Shortly after that, another nurse felt faint, so she leaves the room to go sit at the nursing station. A colleague comes by to ask if she's okay, and that's when she's having trouble breathing and she slumps mm. to the floor. So she also faints. Later, a third person – and this is all kind of happening quickly – a third person, the senior medical resident, fainted, and when they woke up, they couldn't move their arms and legs. I don't know how much you know about phlebotomy, but when you draw blood, mm -hmm. how how much is the airspace that's created 
when the needle goes in and the blood is drawn. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's just a straight into the tube. Like, how is gas even emitted from that? Unless whatever is in her body is that strong, you can smell it. Does it make sense? Yeah, I feel... Yeah, yeah, I know what you're trying to say. Like, like at what point is it? Like, when they're actually drawing it or is it right. in the vial? It doesn't specifically say, but from the sources I was looking at, it says that she could smell it as soon as, like, she was pulling it into the syringe. Okay. And I'm trying to think, like, no, the syringe, the bevel is always glass or, like, metal, mm-hmm. glass, whatever. And then the the body of it is usually plastic. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's easier for, like, vapors to mm-hmm. vent out of and you mm-hmm. can smell it. But honestly, it's strange. All of it is strange. Like, I, it's not normal to s- smell someone's yeah. blood like that unless it's, like, spilled on the floor. Right. So all of it is just like bizarre. It, nothing is really adding up in terms of normal medical mm. procedures. Yeah, at this point, I was just like, what is going on? And when I was reading this, reading up until this point, I was like, this is why I don't work in patient care. Because as soon as I would have seen that first nurse go down, I'd clock out so fast you wouldn't even see me. <laughs> you just run down the hallway and stand in the hallway like 50 feet back. I'm like, <laughs> if you need me, back, I'll I be have back my here. Magic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, dying is way above my pay grade. Way (laughs) above. Now, a total of six people couldn't continue treating Gloria because they themselves were experiencing worry symptoms just from being around Mm. her body. And remember, Mm -hmm. she's dead at this point. But by the end of the night, 23 of the 37 emergency room staff or the ER staff were experiencing at least one symptom. The nurse who fainted at the nursing station was in the ICU for two weeks and developed hepatitis, pancreatitis, and something called avascular necrosis. This is when the bone tissue is deprived of blood and begins to oh. die. She had avascular necrosis in her knees, so she had to be on crushes for months. Sheldon Wagner, an Oregon State toxicologist, commented that it takes a pretty damn potent toxin to do something like that. Medical detectives from local to federal examined culprit after culprit to no avail, but there is one leading hypothesis. A team of researchers think that a chain of chemical reactions may have essentially turned Gloria Ramirez's body into a canister of nerve gas. And thus ensued one of the most extensive investigations in forensic history. As I said at the top of the story, Gloria died shortly after arriving, technically four to five minutes later. But even after she died, all these bizarre things continued to happen throughout the night at the hospital. So the hospital called in a special medical team who arrived in hazmat suits. They do a thorough search of the hospital looking for any signs of poison gas or any other foreign substances, toxins, what have you. They find nothing. They find nothing that could clue them into why the staff fainted and had these other strange symptoms. This was a unique situation where in normal circumstances, you'd absolutely want to do an autopsy given like what was going on with Gloria. But since no one could physically go near her, they had to put her body in a sealed aluminum Mm. casket. And they had to wait over a week before they did the autopsy, and even then in hazmat suits. So three autopsies were done total. I said three, I'm holding two. (laughs) You guys can't see that. (laughs) There are three autopsies done total. One happened six days after she died, then six weeks after that. And then the final one was right before she was buried. They held onto her body for a long time. Mm-hmm. The most thorough autopsy happened on March 25th, which was about a month after she mm-hmm. passed away. The game plan was to analyze compounds from her blood, bile, tissues, and all organs. They even analyzed the pockets of air, at, like you were kind of alluding to that, the pockets of air in the tops of the vials from which they took blood and bile samples to check for any mm-hmm. gases that may have vented off. Good catch, Hagen. 
nothing was found. Ooh, nothing. Interesting. The results from the rest of her body via mass spec show that various compounds were in her system at the time of death. So she had Tylenol, codeine, and something called Tegan. It's an anti-nausea prescription medication, which I – they don't say exactly why she was taking these things, but my guess is, is probably for to treat her nausea from her chemo. The forensic scientist assigned to the case named Anderson also found a lot of hydrocarbons, which can be mistaken for something more sinister, but hydrocarbons leach into the blood from sterile plastic materials like IV mm. bags. So like when we say sterile, like we work in the lab setting, hospital, like when things are sterile, it means free of contaminants like bacteria, not necessarily other things like things that would go into plastic, mm. et cetera. So basically what he's trying to say is if you're not a trained eye, you would look at this and be like, oh my gosh, this is it, you know, it, but it's essentially just mm. a red herring. So luckily Anderson is a very trained forensic eye. And so he was like, okay, just dismiss this, dismiss. And then he was able to focus on the real compounds, which did pique his interest, which was nicotinamide. So nicotinamide is a B vitamin, but it can also be mixed into illegal drugs like meth. It's a cheap compound and can cause euphoria. So street drugs are oftentimes cut with nicotinamide to extend some of their more expensive drugs. But that being said, it is an odd compound to take if you're really sick like Gloria was. The stranger compound found in her system was something called dimethyl sulfone. Mm -hmm. Dimethyl sulfone is an industrial solvent, but it can also be produced naturally in our bodies as a byproduct of, of just breaking down amino acids. Yet, yet, the half-life of dimethyl sulfone is less than three days. So in healthy bodies, there's almost never measurable amounts in the system, but Gloria had tens of micrograms per milliliter, so essentially three times higher mm. than normal. The thing is, though, dimethyl sulfone would not cause Gloria to die the way that she did or cause symptoms in the medical staff. So they're kind of hitting a wall at this point. And at this time, they record Gloria's death as cardiac dysrhythmia brought on by kidney failure from her cervical cancer, and they closed the investigation. Mm. I think the strangest part about this case is, to be honest, I don't think anyone would have investigated this further if if the staff didn't mm. get sick. Mm -hmm. You know, if if Gloria just died and it was everyone else was fine, they may not have investigated this right. further. I can guarantee you. It's just because it's so strange that 23 out of 37 of the staff right. felt ill. You know, like that's bizarre. Yeah. So they close the investigation and it's frustrating. It's not the right word. It just feels obviously incomplete because there's still no explanation to how Gloria died or what was coming off her body to cause the medical staff to mm -hmm. fall ill. So the hospital called in the California Department of Health and Human Services who put their top two scientists on the case, Dr. Ana Maria Osorio and Dr. Kirsten Waller. They systematically interview all the ER staff and they find some threads in common. For example, people who handled Gloria's IV lines were at highest risk for more severe mm. symptoms. Other factors were women were more affected than men, as well as people who skipped dinner that night. Ultimately, the final report was that the ER hospital staff experienced mass sociogenic illness. In other words, mass hysteria, perhaps triggered by a certain smell coupled with stress. And I didn't add this in there, but basically the two doctors were like, the, it adds up because mass hysteria is more common in women, X, Y, and Z. What if the smell yeah. wasn't even coming from her? Like the smell, it was yeah, just yeah, yeah. maybe there was something in the hospital or in the hospital room mm -hmm. that had 
a slight pungentness or whatever, and it was just passing gas through the air. But for some reason, literally, yeah, for some reason, <laughs> one person smelled it, plus the visual of seeing like those manila specks in her blood made somebody right. have a reaction and then anyone else who's there was also sure. like yeah what is this smell this seems so odd and uh, it can trickle yeah i think that's actually a good theory because and i'm only reason i'm laughing this is a horrible story i'm not laughing at the mm-hmm. circumstance at, at all but what if it was literally a situation where someone is pulling out the blood and literally at the same time someone just rips a massive I had one. a feeling you're going to say that yeah. one massive but silent literally silent, silent but, but sinister <laughs> and the most sinister <laughs> passing of gas that ever could be that you bring that the hazmat team right. has to come the hazmat team and you're just sitting in the corner that's when i clock out like i was not here yeah like okay <laughs> it would be a silly sketch comedy situation where the person was- who's drawing the blood as you said right as they pull it they release yeah. a little like toot toot and they're like oh you guys smell that? It's her blood. <laughs> oh my god! And then they ha- they fall to the ground and they have to live this lie for the rest of their lives. <laughs> oh my god! They they just purposely fade and yep. they just play. They play it all out. A true actor. Oh my god! Oh, that would be so yeah. horrible. You know, stuff like that has happened. Like that stuff happens in real life there's literally a story i was listening Uh to another podcast where a guy was working in in like a male facility i guess she would call it like a male facility and he was working there and he thought it was going to be silent but Uh, innocuous right it was silent but fucking (laughs) deadly like like astronomically deadly and like to the point where everyone was like oh my god what's that smell and everyone's like i think it's a gas leak and they're like we need to call the hazmat team and the literally the whole place had to be shut down for a week the hazmat team came and thoroughly checked they had to re-clean and through that they found like while the hazmat team was doing the research they found that certain things weren't up to code so it cost the wow facility like 20 million dollars from his fart it's kind of kind of a positive thing if things weren't up to code like it, it was, was meant to be but that it is was. hilarious the snowball okay just a little bit more on this talking about farts i sure, sure. am starting to believe this further now like i'm starting to believe this this was someone mm-hmm. tooted and didn't want to own it because <laughs> i kid you not there was one time in high school i remember it so clearly because the smell was so like <laughs> Stood out to me, but I was at home. Thank God I was at home doing my business on the toilet. Like, no big deal, whatever. Like, oh, okay. Total. It's a safe space. Yeah, safe space. (laughs) Did my thing, but it distinctly smelled like propane. I kid you not. Smelled straight up like propane. And in my head, I was like, wow, the body is amazing. Like, this is true (laughs) gas coming out of my body. Like, gas and all. Like the both sense of the words. I I am confident you could have lit a fire with that shit. Like it and I remember you know, just I lit know, and I remember going to Manira afterwards, so shocked that I like I was like, dude, my my fart, my poop smelled like propane. Like not even like poo, like gas. Yeah. Propane. So, you know, yeah, it makes me think about cows too. Cows are too too too. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Should have saved that one for science and lit on fire. <laughs> Put it in a jar, trying to get, capture it. Yeah. 
nasty. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Too funny. Okay. That was all aside. Okay. This is a very all serious right. story. Okay, back to the story. <clears throat> all right. So we're back to mass hysteria. So see Jen. I, I will share my opinion. I think it's a whole lot of oh, bullshit. Okay. Like I, I do believe in mm-hmm. mass hysteria, but I think in this scenario, it just doesn't make any okay. goddamn sense. And I'll tell I'll I'll kind of say why. So um, so you're saying you don't think that there's a psychosomatic reason for why everyone was falling and stuff. Like it wasn't a Yeah. I don't think there was a psychosomatic reason for the people who were in direct contact with mm-hmm. her body. It's potentially, I don't know, like, because I was like, I get like six people were actually mm. very, very ill. The other people, maybe it was like a thing like, oh my God, I, I feel mm. it too. I don't think it was complete mass hysteria. I do think there was legitimate people who gotcha. were getting sick gotcha. though. Okay. So maybe a little okay. bit, bit of both. Okay. But basically the, what they're saying, it's blanket, nothing happened. It's all mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. Everyone's fine. Interesting. Okay. That's what they're okay. proposing. Okay. So the mass hysteria hypothesis didn't sit well with any of the ER staff. For example, the nurse who had avascular necrosis filed a lawsuit against the hospital seeking $6 million in damages. And for me, like I already said, I kind of agree. Of course, nothing is out of the realm of possibility. But if you know anyone who works in the ER, especially ER trauma, they are not usually mm-hmm. panicked or squeamish. They literally see the first and worst of it all. They have to be incredibly calm, cool, and collected mm-hmm. while doing it. So going into hysterics over a heart attack or smelling ammonia, which is just like we smell ammonia at yep. home. It's like common mm-hmm. in cleaning products. Uh, seems kind of dismissive and mm-hmm. lazy, mm-hmm. to be honest, for me, in my opinion. Another ER staff, Nurse Welsh, was also pissed off about the report and wanted someone to take another look at the case. So she went to Anderson, our uh, key forensic chemist, and he was the because she felt he was the one person who felt actually cared as mm. much as they did. So Anderson took the case on and asked his deputy director, Grant, to help him sift through the evidence one more time. Grant is looking at the mass spec results and he mistakes the dimethyl sulfone peak because the mass spec is all like peaks, chemical peaks. So he mistakes the dimethyl sulfone peak as something called DMSO or dimethyl sulfoxide. So Anderson corrects him. He's like, oh, no, no, no. Like that's an easy mistake. DMSO has one oxygen where dimethyl sulfone has two, but that's dimethyl sulfone. But Grant continued saying, you know, my O-chem is rusty. My organic chemistry is rusty, but I am familiar with DMSO because I used to take it as an athlete or I used to use it Mm. as an athlete. DMSO was a gel sold in hardware stores as a heavy-duty degreaser. I don't know if it is anymore, but it was also widely known as a home remedy for athletes' aching muscles. Oh, I have never heard of this. Neither have I. I was kind of surprised. And upon a second look at the autopsy report, the coroner speculated, he writes in there, that the oily garlicky substance on Gloria's body was DMSO. So I'm going to quickly intersplice the tox part to talk about DMSO so that we all have like background knowledge. So DMSO was popular in the 60s because the early research showed that it had amazing healing capabilities to reduce pain and anxiety. But clinical trials for this drug abruptly stopped when animal tests showed that DMSO, DMSO exposure can change the lens of the eye. Okay. So the FDA quickly shuts down any further trials on DMSO in 1965. But, but then the FDA eased up on this ban in 1978 when they approved a 50% solution of DMSO as a treatment for interstitial cystitis. 
a condition of painful urinary tract lesions that mostly occur in women. Okay, so you don't ask me why. So in that case, it's ingested, or is it st- is it topical? Still a topical thing for that one? I'm actually not sure. Is it? It's a fluid, so I want to say it's like an IV thing. Oh. Like it might be injected directly, but I, don't quote me on that. Okay. I'd have to okay, okay. look into it. Interesting. I'm not entirely sure, and I think it is still used for that. Huh. But I again, I'd okay. have to check. At the same time, DMSO built this underground cult following among athletes. Not only did Grant use it back in the day, but Anderson remembered using it too. It was all the rage in the 70s when he was a pharmacology professor at Ohio State. It worked so well on your achy muscles and pains, but it's dangerous because it was so readily available to buy it like your Home Depot hardware store, but people were using it, of course, for the wrong purpose. Like industrial icy hot? Like is that what Basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just cannot. I, I just For real. We have come so far as a society. I cannot imagine walking into a Home Depot and pulling some sort of like industrial, I don't warehouse good and being like, oh, yeah, I'm putting this on my body. This is going to feel good. Like I would have never thought that. That's so um, resourceful. It is resourceful. And I don't really, I wish I did more research into how it actually works. Like how does it actually ease your muscles and pains? But I guess like in the sixties, essentially, like this was probably like a big deal. I'm assuming like when the clinical trials were started, it was kind of touted as like this cure all like, Oh my God, it it relieves all pain and all anxiety. So people were probably really excited and hyped up for this, but then it was like, Oh, now we can't use it for our bodies, but we can use it as a degreaser. So people are curious, curious people. So they're like, let me just rub let it Let me just degrease whatever I need to degrease. <laughs> oh, I got a little on me. I know. <laughs> let me just rub it in. <laughs> oh, 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 I just fell in a vat of DMSO. Oops, uh, slip and slide. <laughs> and you're just like immediately in the zone. Like you're just zened out. You can't even feel your muscles because your muscles have just disintegrated. <laughs> So weird. I gotta. I have to. Uh, while you talk, I'm gonna look up like what it looked like. It's packaging, all that. Yeah, I, I'm like. I think this is extra interesting to see your reaction, Megan, because you are an athlete. So I'm like, would you ever do this? <laughs> like, how bad were your aches and pains that you would rub some heavy duty degreaser on you? <laughs> Honestly, not that bad. But it makes it does make me chuckle. I. Yeah. I um. I think I need to give more credit to the athletes nowadays. But yeah. yeah, I can see how back in the day I'm like, of course it's athletes reaching for the most nonsensical items to improve their game, improve yeah. their health, make things easier on their body. Uh, so it's not a surprise. Completely. I'm sure that still happens today. But yeah. it just makes me shake my head. Like, Come on, athletes. <laughs> oh, well. They will do Truly. anything like to just to get – a faster Have that score edge. or faster. I, yeah. I, oh my God. Why am I trying it's to talk all sports? Good. It's all good. <laughs> I, I, as an athlete, I want to pay respects to athletes who have the integrity. But yeah. I'm like, when you're so hardcore, yeah. you always want that edge. True. And you'll, you'll try to get yeah. around all the supplement bans, all that for, okay, maybe I can right. do this. Maybe I can do that. I'm like, man, is it worth it then? Like, I don't know. Right. But, and I can kind of see the appeal where, and I obviously I have not looked into this once again, so I'll caveat. I don't know like how well it compares to like a tiger oh, right. bomb yeah. or Bengay mm-hmm. or whatever, right? I see hot as you said, 
But if you're an athlete and you're just going hard, hard, hard all the time, I imagine like you have to have some down times where you are just trying to like um, relax your muscles and eat, not relax Yeah, your recovery. Muscles, or just take yeah. it easy, right? Mm-hmm. Recover, recover. That's the word, recovery. But if your recovery time is slow, like and you slap on this DMSO and you're back to normal yeah. the next day. I would use it. Yeah, yeah. If it's not a banned thing, yeah. If 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 the, there's no yeah. regulation in whatever sport you're playing to not use DMSO, I can see why you'd use it. I know. All right, yeah. I'm looking at the bottle. Very interesting. Kind of boring labels, but um, dying okay. to know how it actually helps your muscles. Or yeah, dying to know. Okay. The Maybe we part. should just quickly look okay. at it. Hopefully, there's a very quick and easy answer to this. <laughs> I wish I could have a more like chemical reason but it is i know it obviously is a gel so it's absorbed through the body but it says essentially has anti-inflammatory yeah. properties and and may inhibit the transmission of pain messages by yeah. nerves but that tells me that it's a little more it's like one level higher than like your bengain icy hot because that is literally just straight up like you know like capsicum like it's just like very just almost like natural remedies that's just like it just distracts your mind yeah. essentially this seems like it's actually getting into your tissues and getting to yeah. your nerves which makes sense because like this sounds like nerve gas yeah this, this article from november 19th 1980 dmso wonder drug or degreasing uh-huh. oh, solvent did you already pl- read this pull this love there's no. a part that says this is the summary of this article is basically saying yo the fda does not approve of using dmso for arthritis victims like please they're mm-hmm. urging pharmacists don't don't um give this to patients that they're asking for it because it's a degreaser mm-hmm. solvent it's a byproduct of the paper making industry which to me is like what <laughs> it has it what? has the unusual ability to be absorbed directly through the skin oh yeah it says it's a byproduct of the wood pulp industry like, what <laughs> the heck well that is so wild to me that it's like a byproduct of something that is natural mm-hmm. essentially so it because it penetrates the membrane, uh, it just has anti-inflammatory analgesic effects, collagen dissolution, muscle relaxation, mast cell histamine release. Huh. And it also has effect on your bladder function, hence like the interstitial cystitis use. It desensitizes the nociceptive pathways, which are your pain pathways. Uh, so I guess that's what it is. So interesting. It essentially affects your nociceptive pathways. Mm. Because it's able to penetrate your membrane. Interesting. Okay. okay. Understood. I get that. <laughs> so I want right. to know what type of wood I'm pulp satisfied. it's getting pulled from. Okay. I know. Like, is it a certain right. type of I'm going to go deeper. Or, yeah. Okay. You can move forward, but I will get back to you on that. Sounds great. As Megan was just reading, the FDA caught wind of this off-label use and were not happy about it. They issued a warning to doctors and pharmacists in 1980 to counsel patients. This probably is directly from this study mm-hmm. that you just saw. Uh, to counsel patients against buying DMSO and using it for purposes other than for what it was intended. Yeah, if, yeah, people are not going to listen to that. I'm sorry. So, yeah, as I said, let's say, Gloria did use DMSO that night for muscle pain, and let's say it did somehow combine with oxygen because the whole point is dimethyl cell, cell phone needs another oxygen atom, atom binded to it to create DMSO. Mm. So it's literally just one oxygen atom away from becoming mm. DMSO, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Somehow, oxygen needed to enter her body for to form dimethyl sulfone in her body. But even then, this still wouldn't cause the strain symptoms in the ER staff. Okay, so Grant decides to dig deeper into DMSO 
and dimethyl sulfone. Maybe there was something they weren't seeing. So Grant looks up the two compounds in the chemist's Bible, aka the Merck Index, which is a book that details more than 10,000 chemicals, drugs, and biological compounds and how they work and interact in the body. Essentially, Grant's thought process is, if DMSO can interact with oxygen to form dimethyl sulfone, then what other compounds could be formed if more oxygen was added? And kid you not, the exact page he was reading when he was thinking that had the answer. Dimethyl Mm. sulfate. So one thing about chemistry that fascinates me, which this source touches upon really well, is that literally like the tiniest change can yield big results. So just adding that one oxygen atom to DMSO gives you dimethyl sulfone. And if you add two oxygen atoms to that, you create dimethyl sulfate, which is basically a chemical warfare weapon. Like you're just two oxygen atoms away from creating something completely Mm. destructive. Now, listen to the characteristics of dimethyl sulfate. This is coming, I'm going to read directly from PubChem. Dimethyl sulfate is an odorless, corrosive, oily liquid with an onion-like odor that emits toxic fumes upon heating. Onion and garlic. Why did it say it's odorless at the beginning? You mean colorless? Maybe it's colorless. Maybe they made a mistake. That's fine. (laughs) Could be. Also, like sometimes, um, sometimes things in oil form are odorless, but when it's vented off as a gas, it has a smell. Well, I'll preface by saying that I had I sent this story Mm -hmm. to my dad who is an organic chemist for those who are just tuning in. And I was like, Hey, can you fact check this for me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he like looked at it. He looked at it and he also gave me his own theory, which I'll share with okay. you guys at the end, uh, which is none okay. of the above of what we're going right, to be talking right. about. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he didn't say anything about that. Anyways. So dimethyl sulfate is used in industry as a methylating agent in the manufacturing of many organic chemicals. inhalation exposure to its vapors is highly irritating to the eyes and lungs and may cause damage to the liver, kidney, heart, and central nervous system, while dermal contact causes severe Mm. blistering. It's a possible mutagen and is reasonably anticipated to be a human carcinogen. Mm. When it is absorbed into the body, it can cause convulsions, delirium, paralysis, coma, and delayed damage to essential organs. In severe situations, the vapors can Mm. kill you. So now we're, we finally have some promising lead here, potentially. So two chemists at the Livermore Forensic Center, Richard Whipple and Jeffrey Hawes, scour through thousands of papers written about dimethyl sulfate to find more evidence that corroborates or lines up with events at the hospital. One reference was from a declassified Department of Defense document from 1987 from the reference book on chemical warfare information. It stated that a 10-minute exposure to half a gram of dimethyl sulfate dispersed into a cubic meter of air can kill a human being. That's not much. That's really not much. Since dimethyl sulfate is still used in industry, the Livermore forensic team was able to look up the possible symptoms or side effects in the safety data sheet, which is supposed is required to come with any chemical compound. And the symptoms that dimethyl sulfate can cause and the symptoms that ER staff experienced were eerily similar. Mm. So... Of the 20 symptoms reported by the staff, all matched up to possible side effects of dimethyl sulfate exposure, except nausea and vomiting. But everything else, like the hepatitis, the fainting, the paralysis, et cetera, all Mm. matched up. Now they just have to reverse engineer the case to figure out how dimethyl sulfate could have entered Gloria's body because that's the whole Mm -hmm. mystery. So they came up with two different scenarios. First, 
was Gloria was exposed to DMSO by spreading a cream on her skin that contained fencyclidine, or better known as PCP, or angel dust. I did not expect that. <laughs> no, I didn't either. I was like, whoa, how did we get there? Uh, dissolved in a DMSO carrier base, which is a very common way to take the drug, which I didn't know that. We should we do we need to do an episode of PCP. We that's the one drug we really I know have not we do or street drug. Yeah, that's true. And we literally have yeah, not yeah. touched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> per the industrial hygienist at the California Department of Industrial Relations, the Riverside coroner told Industrial Relations that Gloria's body had signs of fencyclidine use or PCP hmm. use. If true, the scenario also explains why Gloria's tox report turned up positive for nicotinamide because it was probably mixed in with the PCP to extend the drug. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But here's the thing. There were no traces of PCP anywhere on or in her body, so they ruled that possibility out. Okay. So that was just a theory. There wasn't – okay. There wasn't actually a tox Mm -hmm. test that said that she had PCP. Okay. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. So now the second scenario, which the Livermore, de- Livermore team deem as the more likely, was that Gloria put DMSO on herself to ease aches and pains from her cancer. And this accounts for the oily sheen on her body as well as the garlicky smell th- that the ER staff mm. observed. Gloria's family do deny that she used either PCP or DMSO before she died. However, if she used DMSO gel for her cancer pain, it wouldn't be unusual mm. Two-thirds of cancer patients use some type of home remedy to alleviate their pain. Following the sequence of events, Gloria collapses, and then while in the ambulance, the paramedics, per procedure, put an oxygen mask on her face. This is, of course, forcing oxygen molecules into her blood, which is presumably binding to the DMSO in her bloodstream to form high levels of dimethyl sulfone. And like any chemical experiment, the more starting and end material that you have, the more efficiently the chemical reaction will run. And so with that much oxygen, there was no DMSO left untransformed. Is it typical for paramedics to check first, though, if like, you know, what the patient's been taking, what medications they're on before they administer oxygen? I think that's a good point. I mean, oxygen is honestly relatively harmless like it's not going to it shouldn't cause anything like they're really like nitpicking and like splitting hairs at this point to try to figure out what could it possibly have been because she really didn't take anything that should have you know caused these types of things to chemically react in her body they probably just asked like what's your general history okay we know that she um is taking chemo or has been doing chemo and then what what is the typical uh, stuff that's taken with chemo and they probably just based it off of that. Mm-hmm. Nothing that's a home remedy. Exactly. Like, I don't think she was conscious. I don't know if she was conscious or not to answer herself, but of course, like I'm sure she had her husband yeah. there to answer those questions. And it's, it's definitely in the realm possibility that maybe she was embarrassed mm-hmm. or didn't want to let even her husband know that I'm using this degreaser right. to help with my pants. Cause that's the only right. thing that helps me. Right. You never know. You honestly never know. But to go back to the paramedics, this is something I forgot to mention. Um, those two chemists earlier who basically came up with the mass hysteria hypothesis, one of the things that was supporting their theory was that if this was actually a real situation where people were, were getting sick, then why didn't the paramedics get sick? Because they mm-hmm. were in close contact with her body mm-hmm. on the way to the hospital, but they were both mm-hmm. fine. So that's another thing to keep in mind. But how does the dimethyl sulfone then transform into the deadly dose of dimethyl sulfate? Mm. 
to figure that out, the Livermore team did an experiment to see how much dimethyl cell phone could actually first accumulate in the blood at normal body temperatures. If it's not even that much, then you have your answer Mm -hmm. right there, right? So to mimic real blood, they use Ringer solution, which contains all the compounds of, of real blood, just minus the red blood cells. And they found that dimethyl sulfone accumulated in the ringer solution, no problem. Mm. And on top of that, Gloria had a urinary tract blockage. So that would have aided in higher dimethyl sulfone con- concentrations because her kidneys weren't able to flush the compound out of her system as quickly. Mm. Then they cooled the ringer solution to room temperature. And this was basically to mimic um, the nurse cane pulling the blood out of her body when she was taking the blood sample because now it's getting exposed to the ambient mm-hmm. temperature. Uh, when they did that, crystals began to form. In real blood, those crystals likely would have appeared manila color. Mm. So things are starting to track. Things are starting to line up, which makes sense because as the nurse pulled the blood sample, it would have been exposed, as I said, to the ambient room temperature, which in hospitals are always traditionally colder Mm -hmm. than room temperature, about 66 degrees to prevent bacteria Mm -hmm. growth. So that makes even more sense. So far, everything's checking yeah. out. But the question still remains, how did the dimethyl sulfone ultimately become dimethyl sulfate, which is the toxin right. in question? Livermore chemists imagine that some dimethyl sulfone molecules in Gloria's blood broke apart to, to two methyls, so CH3, CH3, and then the SO2. Sulfates are common in the human body, so it's not out of the realm of possibility, once again, for two methyls to simply link up with a sulfate to form dimethyl sulfate. However, at body temperature, the dimethyl sulfate would be too unstable and would quickly reverse back to the two methyls and a sulfate. Yet again, when Nurse Kane drew the blood from Gloria, the cooler ambient temperature would have slowed down the breakdown of dimethyl sulfate enough to build up in the syringe and vaporize out of the mm. blood, which is probably what she smelled or what caused this mm-hmm. whole you know, chain of reaction to start. And this gas was enough to poison the ER staff. Wow. If you look up dimethyl sulfate in the, that Merck index, mm-hmm. though, you'll notice it doesn't vaporize easily. The boiling point is 370 degrees. So that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. And that's kind of what my dad was saying, too. He was like, that doesn't make any yeah, sense to me. Even if she – did get mm-hmm. like a crazy spike in temperature. That would be impossible. Sure. She'd be a like, superhuman. <laughs> she, Dude, 370 degrees? Crazy. Uh, she would be like, what's it, Johnny Fire? What's that guy's name? I don't even remember from like the Fantastic yeah, yeah. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. However, the ke- the chemist at Livermore tested that a fraction does vaporize at room temperature. Hmm. Not all of it, but there's a small amount that does vaporize. And when it vaporized, the crystals vaporized Mm. and effectively vanished along with Mm. everything else. So hiding all traces of this dark chemistry from any investigators. So those little manila bits went poof in the air? Mm -hmm. Theoretically? That's what vaporized. Okay. Yeah. Theoretically. Theoretically Mm. speaking. However, not everyone agrees, including my dad. (laughs) Hans Reich, an organic chemist in the University of Wisconsin, doubts that dimethyl sulfone could split apart like that in Mm -hmm. the human body. He said he's used it as a solvent up to 300 degrees without it splitting apart. Hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. But that's like anecdotal too though, right? Like – It is. Like I I, I totally get it. Like you're doing something in the lab and you've only seen it done one way. You're like, it's impossible. I have this experience. 
We all do yeah. it. We all do it. Oh, well. Others feel the symptoms don't align with what the hospital staff experienced. Jack De La Torre, a physiologist and a professor of neuro- neurosurgery at the University of New Mexico, states that the first symptom exposure to dimethyl sulfate is tearing or some form of eye irritation because mm-hmm. it's technically like a mm-hmm, nerve mm-hmm, gas, mm-hmm. right? And none of the ER staff reported tearing. All right. We'll uh-huh. take it. And for the other symptoms like fainting and paralysis, he stated that those things happen hours later, not minutes after exposure, like what happened at the Riverside Hospital. Hmm. One of the loudest voices against this theory is the scientist who did the majority of the DMSO research in the early 60s, which is Dr. Stanley Jacob. He was just lathering himself up in that stuff. <laughs> he's like, this is the best thing ever. As he's giving his statement, he's literally applying it. I know. He's just in like yeah. that already in the <laughs> bathtub. <laughs> Sorry, the visual I got from that is just anywhere he's he's moved to, he's just in a vat. Like that's his that's his chair. Yeah. It's a vat. That's yeah. his permanent. Yeah, carted around just moves like, like this. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, his assistant has to move him around now. So he says he doubts that even a significant quantity of DMSO could cause or develop into such toxic compounds. From experience. (laughs) (laughs) Dozens of women called his office after this, after this whole dimethyl sulfate theory came out, because they were all being treated for interstitial cystitis Mm. with DMSO. So they're like, what the hell, man? Like, should I be putting this in my uterus? Like, what? Poor thing. Not uterus, but bladder. (laughs) So Dr. Jacob tells them that the dimethyl sulfate theory is a chemical impossibility. I don't know who to believe. (laughs) I know. But not all are naysayers. Dr. Mark McCosey, director of the National Museum of Health and Medicine in Washington, D.C., also a forensic pathologist who investigated dozens of unusual deaths, he points out that forensic investigations often don't find a concrete answer or evidence, but they can still come to a valid conclusion. Mm. I thought that was a very interesting perspective like from someone who's actually been on several cases he's because sometimes like you don't receive an answer like the forensic team can do their best with what they're given and they can provide you with Mm -hmm. clues so not one single forensic clue will provide the perfect fit to explain a death but when you add up all the clues together you can find a Mm -hmm. pattern and that is often what is used to conclude the case and as is often the case with unusual deaths it's a pattern no one has probably Mm -hmm. seen before which unfortunately makes it harder to believe Ultimately, he says there's no way to prove the Riverside case, but even though there is no way to prove Livermore scenario, I think they gave us a report that's quite interesting and analytical, he says. Gotcha. This is just what the Livermore forensic team, who, by the way, like as a reminder, the n- one of the nurse Welsh, who was part of the mm-hmm. situation, she simply gave it to the team. This is yeah. pro bono. Like they're just doing this on their off hours. Like they had been working on this case for a long time. They're still working on other cases. So they did this all after hours right. late into the night. So it's not like something that was official. Right. So I don't know if that's why it wasn't really accepted as an official yeah. conclusion to the case. But obviously, like, it's it's determined as yeah. unsolved for now. They put together a report. They're like, hey, this is just what seems the most likely. And then people who love DMSO Correct. were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't don't exactly. yuck my yum. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that was all all the hate mail came from Dr. Stanley <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Sorry. So now almost 30 years later, the Riverside case of the toxic lady still remains a strange hmm. mystery. 
as far as we know, there's no other case like this in history to even compare it to. Interesting. Which yeah, is weird. What an anomaly. Which is weird. It's just a numbers I game. Know. Man. And, <laughs> and of course that shit happens in California. Of course in Riverside. Inland here. Empire. What what? Inland Empire. What what? Shout out Inland Empire. <laughs> What we can take away from all of this is that chemistry doesn't just happen in the lab. It happens in our very bodies yeah. all the yeah. time. And sometimes those chemical reactions can be mm-hmm. deadly, like Megan's farts. <laughs> yeah. Like, just that one, one fart, time, though. Just that right? one fart. But, you know, that one never time happened only. again. You don't know what happens inside your body. Never yet. <laughs> your body at this time was like, hey, let's show you what I can do. <laughs> You could be a natural resource, Megan, but yeah. only this one. And then it just yeah. Homer Simpson out. <laughs> yeah. So the dimethyl sulfate theory is a good one. And right now it's the only theory with legs mm. to stand on. But what's mystifying about all of this is that if the Livermore forensic team is wrong, like many of these scientists say, then what did happen to Gloria Ramirez in that Riverside ER room on February yeah. 19th, 1994? Yeah. And that is the story. Of Gloria Ramirez, the toxic okay, lady. Okay, what's Papa B's theory, though? All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's go to Papa B. He writes so um, professionally it. to me. It's like he did his own study, <laughs> his own report. <laughs> yes, he writes hi, Harini. Semicolon. Oh, I love that. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm literally just going to read yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Do it, do if it. that's okay, okay, it's okay. just a paragraph. So, uh, Doctor Bot, aka Papa B, says. Quite an interesting incident. I went through the whole thing. I do not believe in the dimethyl sulfate theory. I do believe Gloria used DMSO on her body to relieve the pain caused by Mm -hmm. cancer. When she was brought to the hospital, that was the garlicky smell people smelt. DMSO metabolized in the body to dimethyl sulfone and dimethyl sulfide. Mm -hmm. He put in quotations, Mm -hmm. DMS. Since dimethyl sulfide is a low molecular weight compound, also with a garlicky odor, and toxic to humans if inhaled, I believe this was the cause of many nurses mm. fainting. I'm surprised DMS was not mentioned in your article. <laughs> I mean, they all like kind of go hand in hand. So I I just assume from from what they you do. had been telling me was that it was some aspect of it. D- you, you mentioned DMS and DM- um, dimethyl sulfide. I don't think I mentioned sulfide. I mentioned sulfone. But yes, they're all like same flavors of a very similar compound. And just like to to finish off, there's one final sentence. Even if dimethyl sulfate was formed, being a liquid with a high boiling point, which we heard in the the story, it would have caused harm to Gloria, but not to others in the vicinity. That's why I do not believe any dimethyl sulfate was formed. Papa B. (laughs) So I... What basically what and I talked to my dad before getting on this recording just to get more mm-hmm. insights and thoughts about this. What I mm-hmm. think was really acute of my dad, and maybe like I don't maybe they did think about this in the Livermore case and they just dismissed mm-hmm. it or decided like that's not the route they want to go down. But what they were looking at is basically oxidation. So we know reduction mm-hmm. reactions and oxidation reactions, right? They were looking at mm-hmm. an oxidation reaction where oxygen was added to create dimethyl sulf- sulfate. My dad, right. what he's saying is, why didn't they look at dimethyl sulfide, which is a reduction of oxygen? He's mm-hmm. like, that is also equally as toxic and to me is more likely to happen um, because mm-hmm. in that situation, you don't need to break 
from what my understanding is you don't need to have molecules break apart because that was the hang up for a lot of scientists. They're like, how can you split um, compounds within your body like that? Like when it takes like an intense amount of heat for that to happen in a lab, in a controlled setting. You know what I mean? So that's where people were like, "Mm, I'm not sure about this, but I don't believe for a reduction reaction to occur, it takes that much energy for the reaction Mm. to occur. So that's another possibility that my dad was like, if I had to take an educated guess, that's the route I would continue to research in. Interesting. Did you end up looking into that further? I have not. I have not. Sweet. That I literally jumped on right before. But I am generally just curious about this because, you know, I think everyone is really curious about things that are just unsolved because I do feel like this is solvable potentially, but it's also just mind-blowing. I'm like, what are the – like what – what in the world is happening where this person is still emitting something off of their body even after death that is causing the people around them to seriously fall sick, really fall sick. Right. At least the people immediately in treating her in the room, right? That to me is like, I've never heard of that before, like truly. Right. I mean, of course, it's like very, very sad. Gora Ramirez, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, her life was taken way too early. Yeah, I think it's just really fascinating in terms of like a chemical and educational perspective. I wonder if in the next weeks since this recording, since we record this, yeah, a similar case pops up. Wouldn't oh that be my crazy? god, that'd be so Where nuts! It's like, oh, uh, like mystery case. Um, someone yeah. post mortem is emitting something from their body that's causing Dude. healthcare workers to fall to the ground. Dude, that would be so scary. Like the 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 line that they talk about, like her body essentially turned itself into a nerve gas, a canister of nerve yeah. gas. I'm like, dude, that is terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to address the question of how DMSO is a byproduct of love paper making. Okay. Yes. Love <laughs> paper making industry. Yeah. Um. So it you had said something. Okay. Like we were thinking what type of trees are they using? What? has nothing to do with the trees it's just common wood chips whatever trees that come from is just common wood chips that are turned into pulp dmso is a byproduct of the process there's a lot of chemical processes aka it's i'm learning it's called the craft process this is a, Mm. a chemical process specific to the pulping of like wood stuff to turn into paper that's so interesting so so during this industrial process that's when DMSO is created as a byproduct. Um, wow, that's pretty much it. And that's I'm, really in cool. My head, I'm like, I'm like, wow, resourceful that they took this byproduct and they're like, you can use this for other industrial uses. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> completely. Stuff. Yeah, but yeah. It has nothing to do with the the trees that are used. Yeah, yeah. And my mm-hmm. dad says he uses it all the time, like for a solvent as a solvent agent, a reagent. He's like, it's used all the time, all the time. Wow. So very common. I I might cut this. Yeah. But the image that I get in my head when I think of this concept of the toxic ligity, yeah. which is emitting odors or smells that are toxic. In the game Dia- in the game Diablo, yeah. I used to play. Yeah. It's a horror game. Uh-huh. There are types of um NPCs that they're not even NPCs, they're just part of the environment. Because it's like a horror landscape, right? What's an NPC? Non-playable characters. Oh, okay. Yeah. But 
in part of the landscape, there's a lot of dead bodies because it has to do with hell and shit like that. Like yes. it's just dead bodies everywhere. Very yeah. gothic. Yeah. And sometimes the bodies are bloating bodies. And if you mm. run across one wrong, it pops and it impacts your health. What? <laughs> I think of that. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> but when they pop, That's so it's so dark. Like, <laughs> it's it's so dark. I'll probably cut it, but I won't share with you. Yeah. When they these particular bodies, they're they're like intentionally colored green, like the mm-hmm, animate mm-hmm. them kind of greenish to yeah, indicate of course. this is a toxic corpse. Don't run over it. But if you do, it will pop. And then like all this green goo pops out what? and you get sick. Why would you even <laughs> run over in the first place? You know, sometimes it's so hectic and you're <laughs> right? running from like the boss. Yeah. You, gotta, you just, you're like, just like, I'm it. running over this corpse. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I'll dude. cut that. But that's that's truly the image that I was thinking of yeah. all the time. Like the toxic lady. She sounds like a bloating corpse to me dude <laughs> so grisly so grisly but yeah. like even when they said like the oily sheen i was already freaked out by that because i was like that's not normal yeah but you know it's, it's coming like off for uh no yeah ben gay solution who knows yeah 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 well, yeah the question is is the oily sheen from a recent application right or was it being emitted through her sebaceous glands Right, right. I don't know. Yeah. And and like, I know we're supposed to be done. But I was like, but another mm-hmm. thing that I'm thinking about right now is like, was that the final nail in the coffin? Like, was she, be, was she had she been using DMSO? Like, I can't imagine mm-hmm. that just one application of DMSO caused her to go to the hospital like that. Like, right. she must have been using this for like months or something like on, on the down low. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Don't yeah. Know. Uh, lots of questions still. Really interesting. Very, very interesting. Awesome. Thank Glad you for you bringing this forward. Yes. Yeah. Now when I go to Riverside, that's <laughs> what I'll be thinking of. <laughs> I know. There's nothing else in Riverside. Sorry, guys, if you're from Riverside. <laughs> oh. I actually have a soft spot in my heart for Riverside. Oh, yeah? Ever since they opened up the Cheech Museum. Oh, oh what, a, yeah. what a treat. That's right. So nice. Mm-hmm. And the Mission Inn is there, and I've been that's so right. lucky to stay there for free. So I'm like, I'm just living the high life in mm-hmm. Riverside. Megan knows where to um, go in Riverside. That's that's the real yeah. thing. Okay. Shall we? Anyways. Yeah, let's do it. Um, my antidote for today is looking around the house like I will find something that will trigger a good a positive <laughs> thing. Oh, um, I I went for a nice long walk today. I was talking yeah. to Harini about this before we recorded. I was walking straight into the sun, so I'm a little <laughs> bit pink. <laughs> And I'll probably get some new freckles. Um, <laughs> but it was just a good long walk, mm-hmm. uh, like about four miles. That is and a long walk. It is long, but I had a goal at the end, mm-hmm. which was to get to Nordstrom Rack, where yep. I had an order waiting to be picked up. Yep. And I just figured I'm not I don't live too far, you know, mm-hmm. like two point nine ish miles one way or back or whatever. Two miles one way, one way back. Right. Um I know. I said four, I can do math. A little edit. It's better. So um, I figured might as well take the opportunity to walk and pick up my package and come back. Yeah. And it just felt – I always love feeling like I'm really taking in the city. Yes. And I feel like love. nothing really gives you that more than walking or biking Correct. around the city. Like you see all the nitty gritty yep. when you're on the streets like that. <laughs> That's my antidote. I love yeah. it. Walking around is my favorite way to explore, even if, mm-hmm. even if it's my own neighborhood. I love love it. Yeah, 
Even if you've driven that way so many times, it is truly different to walk that route. Yes, I agree. You notice things you've never noticed before. Exactly. You take in all the sights from a little perspective. It's totally different. Love it. Love it. Mm. Um, My antidote, kind of twofold. I'll I'll quickly say like I caught up with Issa, our our good friend Issa, after a long, long time. We talked yeah. for like three hours and we could have gone on long. I was just chit-chatting, yeah. caboodle, the whole thing. And I was like, <laughs> it was so fun. It was so fun. She's She's been living it up recently. Dude, I'm like, Issa's living her best life. She's having a good time. Yeah. Anyways, so I, I want a, l- a little dip into that. So we had a good time. Yeah. Good. Always, it was re- re-energizing as That's always. awesome. Love uh, that. I love connecting with a friend. Yeah. Is that it? Well, sorry. No, no, oh, no, no, no. I interrupt. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I was actually had as an antidote for a long time, but just so many other things have been happening. My, mm-hmm. I did actually set a New Year's resolution for myself that I've nice. actually stuck to, which I got to say, I'm surprised at myself about. Um, I have decided because I had a really bad habit uh, end of last year. I would wake up and I'd go on my phone and I would just sit in bed. Oh for like an hour like it got bad to a certain yeah. point i'll be like oh my god like an hour has passed and i'm still on my bed like yeah. doing whatever the fuck so i told myself and i told this to dave because it's always good to have an accountability buddy i was like hey mm-hmm. this year my goal is to wake up and not even look at my phone like it's okay to look at my phone to like turn my alarm off or whatever but i'm not gonna look yeah. on my phone or go on it i'm gonna get out of bed leave my phone charging do my thing brush my teeth go to the bathroom whatever maybe do something else like make tea or just start my day for at least 20 to 30 minutes before even looking at my phone. And I have stuck to that, dude. I have stuck to that. And now it's like, I've been doing it for a while where it's like, it's ingrained. That's like, I have to be doing this. It's a habit. Like I don't feel good anymore if I'm in my bed and I'm looking at my phone. So good, good habits being instilled, which I'm proud of. That's great. That's, that's, yeah, that's actually, I should probably work on that too. (laughs) What apps were keeping you in bed? Like, what would be the first thing you opened? Oh, dude, I would just be on Instagram and TikTok because I'd be, I would like edit my videos and post them from bed. That's what oh, I would do. I see, I see. So, okay. I don't, I wouldn't say I'd be dilly dallying per se, but I also yeah. like shouldn't be doing that in bed. You know, like I need to get my day started. I see. I, see. I didn't like yeah. that I was starting my day with that, you know? I gotcha. Cause I, mm-hmm. Because that sounds productive, I'll be <laughs> honest. Um, I thought you were like just going on apps and just TikTok scrolling for hours. Like, I know I've done that. Um, I do that before bed. But I, <laughs> I haven't okay, implemented okay. before That's bed. That's a before bed routine. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it does make sense. I think there's nothing, there's a lot of satisfaction that comes in, comes with waking up and kind of getting up and having a routine mm-hmm. where you're mobile. Yes. Um, so I do really love that for you. All right. Let's wrap it up with yeah. myself. Don't risk it for that. <clears throat> that DM is so buttered up biscuit. <laughs> Oiled up biscuit, rather. Oiled, Oiled up. up. Nice Dr. Stanley. <laughs> yeah. Love it. All right. All right. Peace. Bye. Bye.